Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Carrie Latisseur as we conclude the series, The Jesus I Never Knew. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. How is Jesus human? It's an intriguing question because sometimes we have a hard time believing that the Jesus who rose from the grave for our sake was and is just like us. It is through Christ's humanity that we are able to better understand who God is, a God who was willing to walk among us as one of us. We are well into spring, and that means lawns are growing like weeds. How many of you like mowing the lawn? Go ahead, tell us right now in the chat. How many of you despise it? Okay, how many of you don't care because someone else has to do it? Just a few years ago, my husband and I were having a conversation about the division of labor in our home. And I told him I actually liked mowing the lawn because of the combination of a good workout, the chance to get some sunshine, and how much I appreciate the immediate gratification of that fully completed project. My husband had plenty of other outdoor chores, and so he was glad to relinquish the lawn mowing to me. Well, a few months in, we realized it was taking me nearly twice as long to cut the lawn as it had taken him. I told him how I spent most of the time mowing this huge slope at the back of our yard. It was so steep, it required me to push the heavy mower nearly up to my own height just to get it up the hill. He asked me, what do you mean it's heavy? You're not actually pushing the lawnmower, right? Well, of course I'm pushing it, I responded. And when I have to push that thing up the steep hill, it gets a whole lot heavier. It was at this point my husband told me I shouldn't have to push the mower uphill if I was using the self-propeller bar. My response, what self-propeller bar? (laughs) So many of us live our entire lives like this struggling to push the mower. Like a car with no gasoline or a remote control with no batteries, we're not really tapped into the power available to us. It can leave us living a life that is far less than the one we were meant to live. Instead of living fully human, it's like we're living subhuman. We're in the final week of our series, The Jesus I Never Knew. In this series, we're focusing on a side of Jesus' being that many of us tend to overlook—his humanity. Most American Christians focus so much on Jesus' divinity that we almost completely disregard his humanity. So many of us tend to see Jesus as superhuman. And there are some major problems that come with forgetting Jesus' humanity. First, without Jesus' humanity, we end up seeing him as someone who can't relate to what we go through on a daily basis. Second, without Jesus' humanity, we see him as someone who didn't really experience the limitations we experience. If Jesus can't relate to us and never actually walked through our limitations, how can he realistically expect us to follow him? It would be like Iron Man telling us to save the day without giving us an iron suit. But Jesus wasn't superhuman. While still in his nature divine, Jesus 
emptied himself of his divine glory, knowledge, and power. He set aside those things to become like us with human limitations, human realities, and human challenges. So when we look to Jesus, we see the model for what it actually means to be fully human. And as someone who was fully human, Jesus tapped into a power that enabled him to do the things human beings were made to do. Let me share an example with you. There was a place in Jerusalem and Jesus' day where lots of people gathered in need of healing. It was called the Pool of Bethesda. At the time, legend was that the pool would stir on special occasions, and when that happened, the first to get in the water would be healed. Good luck if you're paralyzed or don't have anyone to help you get in. Such was the case of the man who encountered Jesus in John 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years! When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. If you're familiar with Jesus, what happens next is exactly what we expect to happen next. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Are you shocked? Of course not. We expect to see Jesus do stuff like this. But there's something a few verses later in this story that might completely surprise you. Have you ever stopped to wonder where the power came from for Jesus healing miracles? Remember, Jesus isn't superhuman. He emptied himself of his divine power and he took on human limitation. In fact, this is what Jesus says about the miracle he had just performed. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. According to Jesus, he can do nothing by himself. As one who became fully human, he couldn't heal that man on his own. So then, what was his power source? There are a couple of huge clues for us in Scripture, one of which is a story so important that it's recorded in all four books in the Bible about Jesus' life, the books we know as the Gospels. This clue happens at Jesus' baptism. Check it out. Matthew says it this way, The Spirit of God descended like a dove and alighting on him. Mark says it this way, The Spirit descending on him like a dove. Luke, the, uh, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And then John says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and remained. This marked and empowered Jesus to do everything he did. He could do nothing without the Father's help given to him through the Spirit. Just like the gospel writers, this fact wasn't lost on Peter either. As one of Jesus' disciples and closest friends, no one witnessed more miracles than Peter. In fact, Peter went on to perform many miracles himself. Here's how he explained Jesus' ministry and power. He says this, 
beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Did you catch that? Peter says it was God's anointing of Jesus with the Holy Spirit that empowered him. Everything that Jesus did was the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, when we look at Jesus, we're seeing the model for what it actually means to be fully human. And as someone who was fully human, Jesus depended on the Spirit. Theologian Gerald Hawthorne writes this, The Holy Spirit was the divine power by which Jesus overcame his human limitations. Limitations such as being limited in knowledge and bound by physical space and human strength rose above his human weakness and won out over his human mortality. Jesus needed the Spirit's power to lift him out of the human restrictions, to carry him beyond his human limitations and to enable him to do the seemingly impossible. Jesus depended on the Spirit. And here's where this gets mind-blowing for us. According to Jesus, as human beings, we have access to the very same Spirit that empowered Him. Before His death and resurrection, Jesus tells His followers this. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. I can hardly imagine what it was like to have been in the room to hear this from Jesus' mouth. Have you ever heard a greater pep talk? Surely these guys were ready to charge in and climb whatever hill was in front of them. Instead, fast forward to after Jesus' resurrection, and this is what he had them do. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Not go, wait. Why in the world would they do that? Because like Jesus, we too depend on a source outside of ourselves to live the life we're called to live and to do the things we're called to do. To live a fully human life, we too need to depend on the Spirit. So how does that happen? How do we live that way? Family, if you have declared your allegiance to Jesus and committed your life to following Him as His apprentice, you have access to the same Spirit that empowered Jesus to do the things He did and to live the life He lived as He walked the earth. The very first step Jesus invites us to, if you've made that decision to follow Him, is baptism, a public declaration of that commitment. A pattern we see several times in Scripture, not just at Jesus' baptism, is that the Spirit is given at baptism. There are lots of ways that that Spirit moves on us, but this is one that's especially powerful. I know many of us have experienced that at our own baptism, a feeling that's really hard to even describe. Check out this moment we had with my friend Dee as she got baptized just a few weeks ago. (laughs) 
When she came out of the water, it was evident to all of us that the Spirit was moving. She said that the strong sense of peace that she couldn't describe came over her. It was almost as if she was laughing and crying at the same time. And she said it was this deep sense of joy and God's presence that just washed over her, a feeling she had never felt before. All of us present to witness and celebrate this moment with her could tell, just like with Jesus' baptism, the Spirit was present. Maybe you felt like you've been pushing the mower uphill in life. I want you to know it doesn't have to be that way. The same Spirit that empowered Jesus wants to dwell in you. If you haven't taken the step of baptism, let me encourage you, be baptized. Every month here at Community, we hold an online class where you can learn more about baptism. We can schedule your baptism to take place at one of our community locations. You can check out communitychristian.info to learn more about this information. Just don't delay this important decision. Be baptized if you've not done so already. And if you already have been baptized and are eager to live a Spirit-led life, I want to encourage you. You already have access to the very same Spirit that empowered Jesus. One of the ways that we can learn to become more dependent on the Spirit is by starting each day with a simple practice. What if you began your day with some moments of silence? Spend some time to think through the events of the coming day. Where will you be going? What will you be doing? Who will you be seeing? Ask the Spirit to guide and empower you throughout your day. Then as you move into each moment of your day, pray this simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. What if before you walked into the office, got out of your car at school, or showed up to coach the soccer team, you simply prayed this prayer, Come, Holy Spirit. What if you intentionally opened yourself up to the leading of the Spirit through every moment of your day? The more we tune our hearts and calibrate our thoughts to the Spirit's work within us, the more we experience the Spirit's work all around us. It might surprise you the ways that God will show up when we, even in the tiniest ways, invite the Spirit to guide and empower us. For me, at times, if I'm honest with you, I'm in a hurry and decisions need to be made. (laughs) I'm not open to being inconvenienced or having my plans derailed. Honestly, I have this tendency to just plow through whatever work is in front of me and needs to get done. In my busyness, I can rush past that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. In fact, learning to live by the Spirit means deciding I'm not in the driver's seat of my life. Several years ago, I was packing for a trip, and in the closet, I sensed I was supposed to grab an instant heating pack and stick it in my backpack. It was a really weird thought, and I assumed it was like bad pizza I had had the night before for dinner, but I clearly sensed again I was supposed to grab this thing and stick it in my backpack. I was in a hurry to catch a plane, and I sort of rolled my eyes at the prompting, but I grabbed it and stuck it in my backpack anyways. While going through security at the airport, I noticed a guy in front of me get pulled over for extra security checks. I didn't think much of it at the time, except for how much of an inconvenience it must have been for him, and it definitely made me notice him. I sent up a quick prayer for him and then moved on. Later, when I boarded the plane, the very same guy from security was my seatmate. 
We talked for a few minutes about his work as an IT professional. And as per usual, when I told him I was a pastor, the conversation fairly quickly concluded and we flew most of the rest of the way in silence. About halfway through the flight, I noticed this man leaning forward and rubbing his lower back. I immediately had that little voice remind me of this heating pack, and I very much resisted again and insisted it was just bad pizza. But the reminder was persistent. I was embarrassed to tell this guy the story, but I sensed I was supposed to pull out this heating pack and give it to him and to tell him about the Father's love, how he had prompted me to pack this thing that morning, and I didn't even know why. That clearly God just wanted this new friend to know he was loved. As I gave it to him, he broke down in tears. After he tried to pay me for it, and we spent the rest of the flight talking about God and his love, about Jesus' death and resurrection, about the Spirit's partnership in this life. Isn't it incredible the links God will go through to communicate his love? You know what? Honestly, I have no idea what my friend's journey was since then. I don't know if he decided to follow Jesus or if he thought I was a crazy lady. I never could have even thought about meeting this guy's need, much less tried to meet his need without the Spirit's prompting. But that moment on the plane taught me so much about what it means to live by the Spirit. God used it to challenge me to live dependent on the Spirit, a practice I'm still very much learning. Following Jesus in His way of being human means learning to live dependent on the Spirit like Jesus was dependent on the Spirit. It means being attentive to that still, small voice prompting and guiding us. It means allowing and inviting the Spirit to empower me to live like Jesus. The Apostle Paul says it this way, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We flourish as human beings when we learn to open ourselves up more and more to God's Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and empower us, just like Jesus was guided and empowered by the Spirit. Can you imagine what's at stake if we miss this? I think this illustration may help us. About 30 miles outside of Chicago in the southwest suburb of Lockport, you can visit an exhibit chronicling the history of the I&M Canal. Completed in the mid-1800s, this canal connected Lake Michigan and the Illinois River and became the great passageway to the American West. The canal opened the floodgates to a whole influx of new commodities, new people, and new ideas. The canal played a pivotal role in the incredible rapid development of Chicago in the 19th century. I can only imagine how exciting it must have been for people to see those first boats making the trek along the canal, bringing people and products to places they had never been. And yet, if you go to Lockport today, it's obvious that the glory days of this canal are long gone. Along its banks and in the displays in the visitor center, you can still see evidence of the lifeline it once was. But it's now a historic thing. A canal meant to convey something, water and life, has now become static, an end to a means. No one alive today has any memory of how the canal actually functioned or how important it was in its day. Perhaps grandparents told stories of its innovation and life-changing impact. But when it stopped flowing, 
and someone hasn't experienced its power, it simply becomes a story, a a history, a distant memory. My guess is few of us have ever bothered to read the historic plaques or walk along its shoreline. I share that with all of you for this warning. The possibility exists that just like that canal, my life and even our church can become relics of empty religious history. What would happen if our churches become nothing more than visitor centers displaying the history of once what once was rather than the life-giving family that is the community of God? Our lives as followers of Jesus are meant to be so much more than a decision we made in the past or traditions we've been handed down from our families. We are meant to live fully human. And living fully human means every day being guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring life and love to the world around us. To live into the adventure that life as a follower of Jesus is meant to be. Can you imagine what becomes possible if we learn to follow Jesus in His humanity and to live dependent on the Holy Spirit? What could happen if we lived every single day with the anticipation that the Spirit will move? Come, Holy Spirit. Let's stop pushing the mower uphill. The power we need to live like Jesus is already ours. The Spirit wants to work in us and through us and to be about the work of the Heavenly Father, just like Jesus was about the work of the Heavenly Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me? Come, Holy Spirit. One more time. Come, Holy Spirit. May that be our prayer. Maybe we follow Jesus and being dependent on the Spirit to live lives that are fully human. Would you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have given us. We are so grateful for the picture of Jesus Christ and what it means to live as fully human. God, I pray right now, if there are people engaging in this word, that you would be stirring their hearts, inviting them, engaging them to pursue more of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray if there are people who don't yet know Jesus, who have not yet experienced the power of the Spirit, that you would be drawing them to you right now in this moment. God, together, collectively, as a church family, we commit to opening ourselves up to being attentive to your work around us in the world and to consistently again and again saying, come Holy Spirit. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you tune our hearts to that still small voice? God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.